This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. One of the things we really haven't talked that much about on the show, Lee, is uh, this fear of what's happening, our business circumstances, what's happening with our family lives, being locked down, and the turbulent times that we find ourselves in. We haven't really talked something about that can, that Something that has really paralyzed a lot of managers because they don't know what to do. They don't know what the future you know, holds and everything like that. So it kind of paralyzes them, but it also prevents, uh, presents another challenge in the fact that your reports are also very scared as well. And they have fears about not only about their jobs and that sort of thing, but also what's going on with their families during these difficult times with COVID-19 and such. So I'm really curious to hear you know, what our guest today has to say about it. Absolutely. So welcome to the 800-pound gorilla elephant in the room, which is fear. (laughs) Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. It seems only appropriate that fear is another four-letter word. I am Celie Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. That's right. Our guest today, Kathleen Hendricks, PhD, an evolutionary catalyst and freelance muchness mentor with 50 years pioneering experience in somatic approaches to relationship transformation. Katie, as she's known, is the co-author of 12 books, including the best-selling Conscious Living and At the Speed of Life. And most recently, she has created a website with dozens of free resources focused on unlocking the fear code and restoring resourcefulness in our turbulent times. And the two websites, write these down, Hendricks.com, everyone, and the foundation for conscious living.org. Katie, thank you for coming today. I think this is going to be really helpful for all of us. Well, I'm, it's a great pleasure to be able to talk about something that almost all of us are affected by every day. Yeah, this is actually, my brother is a doctor at the Mayo Clinic, and he said it's the one time in his career that the entire world has been focused on one thing simultaneously. You can't think of any other time that it's been like that. And it feels kind of overwhelming. Uh, That's a great word, overwhelming, because there's so much coming at us all the time. And it really is impossible to keep up with all of it. And that onslaught has thrown so many people into a chronic fear state, either low level with little spikes of big fear Mm -hmm. or just a chronic sense of, of things are going wrong. Before we get into you know the the nuts and bolts of that, where I want to talk a little bit about or get your take on uh, how fear uh, impacts decision making, especially among managers. Yes, well, <clears throat> there there are two things, especially about fear, that most people are not aware of. When you are in fear, you can't think, <laughs> so that would be a really big problem in decision making. That. When you're in fear, you're not able to use all of the aspects of your brain, Mm -hmm. that you go more into what scientists have called reptilian brain. And from back in there, it's really us versus them, me versus you. And you tend to see other people as enemies and may not even be aware that you're seeing them as enemies. So if someone is asking you something, it is not a possibility, it becomes a threat. And so the whole opportunity to connect with people, to collaborate, to find solutions really disappears in fear. And people go into 
the four expressions of fear, which we can talk about more. But the main thing is that if I'm in fear, I'm not using all of my resources. I'm really coming from survival. Well, Katie, let's drill down on that. So talk about those four expressions of fear. Well, they are fight, flee, freeze, and faint. And how they would show up in um, an executive setting, you know, or in a work setting is that in fight, um, and we see it all the time. So all of the, the announcements, the emails that you get, um, they're all about fighting back. And we don't realize that that, is, that keeps the fear going because fight is the, the main defensive expression of fear. So if someone says to you, I don't, you know, there was something about the report that wasn't working for me, the, the, you would, the tendency then would be to attack. So that's fight. And then flee is that you are not able to actually stay focused on the issue at hand. You change the subject, go into distractions, do whataboutism, um, toss it over to the other person. So fleeing uh, doesn't allow you to actually keep your brain and your body in the room. And then freeze, if you just look at uh, tapes of almost any kind of uh, political event going on right now, you will see that a lot of people are simply frozen. They're not moving, you can't really see them breathing. And the freeze response is what uh, our long ago response to being a prey. When a predator shows up, the, all of the prey will freeze so that they become invisible. And so that's one of the things that will show up um, in, at work is that people just simply fade into the background or they disappear into themselves and stop breathing and stop being able to actually be creative. But the one that concerns me most, because I think that most of the world is in it right now, is faint, where from the overwhelm, you just feel that your resources are draining out of you into a puddle and people feel um they feel lethargic they can't think of anything they forget appointments and it's not as though you're losing your iq although you may be because of of the pervasiveness of faint but faint is the last recourse before an animal actually dies so they're they become passive there's a sense of hopelessness, there's a sense of why bother. And so I think a lot of people are experiencing at least one, if not more of the four expressions of fear. But what they all have in common is that you're not able to fill your own reservoir and feel resourceful. You just feel more and more and more drained and then uh, can be you know, binging on television or fast food or mm-hmm. things that they feel like they're filling you up, but they aren't really. Does this see, so what are the warning signs of these different levels? I mean, obviously the work product quality or a total cessation of execution of task at the well, faint stage the, or? Yeah, I would say some of the warning signs are that you you have a sense of, eh, you know, you, you feel tired. Um, even though you might be getting sleep, you feel tired. When you're at work, you can't come up with creative ideas. Uh, your usual sense of your own pace and uh, when your creative times are 
during the day might fade away. There's a, a sense also that other people are not there for you. You feel disconnected from other people and might be feeling like, oh, it's all up to me and I have to do everything. So, uh, and, and if you've experienced any trauma in your life, it's, it's coming up now. Uh, that uh, you'll you'll remember things. You feel more edgy. People are snap more. Um, there's not that usual give and take of tossing ideas where you get more confrontational. So I would say edgy, sharp, tired, uh, and um, feeling kind of um, uh, wimpy, like, oh, you know, wimpy and whiny inside, although you may not, you know, say that out loud. I would also say absent. So these are people then that are taking mm -hmm. more time off, mental yep. health days, or, like, or they don't show up when they show up. So they might be physically there, but mentally not there. Exactly. That's an example of, of a flea that I'm, you know, I'm in the meeting, but my mind is absolutely elsewhere. So what are you, uh, I know for me, uh, Lee will know that I'm a, a champion carpen, carp, uh, carp, what is it? What am I trying to say? Cart, um, if putting it's in compartment. I'm just having words this morning. <laughs> Compartmentalize? Yes, no, compartmentalizing. Also, yes, I'm a champion at that. I put it in a box and I soldier on, but not everybody can do that. What are some of the ways as a leader you can help your people? Cope. Well, actually, putting it in a compartment and soldiering on is more of a fight response. Mm, I just sort of tuck it away. And then how it will show up, a lot of the fighters, it will show up um, physically. You start having complaints of physical complaints and achy shoulders and stomach upsets. So all of those are really a result of just not being able to process everything that's coming at you. So a couple of things that are incredibly helpful for people are one, to uh, find uh, every 15 minutes or so, take three relaxed breaths. Deliberately take, I mean, I set your timer, take three relaxed physical breaths and change your physical position. People get caught in, you know, either if you're in meetings, Zoom meetings all day, people are not moving and they're not breathing. And so that's one of the simplest and the most effective things that you can do for yourself is get unfrozen. And on the Foundation for Conscious Living, you'll find dozens of videos, but one of them that's going to be particularly helpful is something that we call fear melters. And they're very simple movements that allow you to unlock those four expressions of fear and move from fear to presence. And in presence, you're actually able to connect with others and to collaborate with others. And so the, the fear melters are basically different moves that allow you with, for example, fighting, you do something called oozing, which is like seaweed and water. And for flea, you do sumo, which is letting yourself feel your feet. If you're standing, letting yourself really come down into a sumo stance and move from foot to foot. And for uh, freeze, it's wiggling. And wiggling is something that you could do even under the table when you're in a Zoom meeting. You can let your fingers and toes wiggle so that you're actually unthawing the freeze. Mm. And then faint 
you really are letting your attention move from you to something in the room, back to you, something in the room where you're going, oh, here I am. You're moving and confirming that, oh, I'm going to fill my own reservoir first and then let that extend to others. And so the, the videos will take you into more detail, but the gist of it is you are gonna get frozen and you are gonna stop breathing. And so just simply reminding yourself to do just some simply changing your posture, getting up and walking around a little bit. And the other thing that I think is incredibly important is that we've been in an adrenaline state for many, many, many mm -hmm. years which is speedy, speedy, faster, faster. And what, uh, what that does to your body is keep you in uh, an adrenaline state rather than a present state. And adrenaline is a short-acting drug that we have to keep accelerating. So we have to keep um, accusing people of more things that they're doing. We have to keep going faster. And that the, the way to create presence for yourself is to simply slow down and find what we call your essence pace. What's the pace of your moving where you can be aware of you and aware of the people around you? So almost always we're going too fast to actually hear and respond to the things that other people on the team are saying we can't even really take them in because we're boom going on to the next point. So if you slow down enough that you can feel your breath and you can wiggle a little bit, move a little bit, it actually opens up your creativity. And when we're moving, what happens if you're not moving and you're just talking to other people, you're using a part of your brain that's about the size of a quarter. But if you're moving, you're letting your body move in just very simple, easy ways like stretching and wiggling, you're using all of the parts of your brain. So it actually allows you to get smarter and to be able to respond rather than react. When you're in fear, you're reacting. But when you're letting yourself move and breathe easily, you're moving into your whole creative brain. So it actually makes you smarter, mm -hmm. even though you might have come into the meeting or the interaction with fear. So we're, we're coming to the end of the show, I've got, but I've got two questions that I really, really want to hear your, your thoughts on. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is that you know, fear is not always a bad thing. So it's sort of like it's okay to be fearful of pulling the, the pot of boiling water down from, from the top of the stove, right? So you know, is there, where is the point of the threshold, if you will, where fear is, is a good thing and then it turns into a bad thing. I mean, it's like, and how do you realize that? Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful distinction. So fear is wired in. We would not be here unless our ancestors had really good responses to fear. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that we want to get rid of, but we want to be able to recognize when fear is running us. So we really want to be able to move from fear to here. And uh, what I find is just by unlocking our, our breathing, our connecting with others, we're able to 
turned the fear juice, we're able to hook that up and it turns into creative juice. Mm. But when it's just wandering around, the big thing is that I see other people as an enemy. So if I'm able to recognize, just even recognize, oh, I'm scared right now, that unlocks that, that connection. And I go, oh, okay, I can, oh, I just realized that my heart was racing. And saying something that's actually true for you right now is also another way to hook up the fear juice into creative juice. And the second thought that I was curious about is like, how do you get your direct reports as a manager? How do you get them to get past fear? You know, when they're in a state where fear is running them and it's actually causing some ill effects rather than positive effects. Well, recognizing, I think naming it. If I, if a manager can name like, whoa, I realized when I looked at all of this data, I felt my breath getting uh, quicker and I was, and I started going, Oh my God, how are we going to, and I realized that I'm scared. So actually identifying that fear happens to all of us and that we can respond to it differently uh, is very, very helpful because people will take their cues from the person who's leading. And if, if it's okay for people to feel fear and to be able to shift from fear to here, then everybody can join in that. I have one last question. We're about to wrap up, Katie. But you said in your um, pre-show questionnaire that you think managers right now are under-listening. I love that term. And so how can we over-listen at this time? I mean, do you call a meeting and you say what what's everybody afraid of i mean start by shutting up (laughs) or um do you have like a method a tip on how to make well what i would what i would suggest is um starting a meeting by sharing just a quick story of how you noticed that you were uh trying to get something done but you were trying to do it from fear and then um and then listening the kind of listening to other people has to do with a certain kind of appreciating, and that is being sensitively aware. So the kind of of listening that we're really interested in is fully turning toward opening your body rather than closing and having arms crossed and having that kind of, you know, show me what's wrong here, that kind of confrontation, and breathing yourself. So being open, turning toward the person, And then in your listening, acknowledging what you're hearing, not just about the content, but about the person. So it sounds like you got to this certain place and then a whole bunch of more information came in and you didn't know what step to take next. So it's really focused on your confirming that you're with the other person, that you hear them. You may not necessarily agree, you may not come to the same conclusions, but you're really saying, oh yeah, I can understand that you would feel this way. That's that big uh, empathy word that Lee talks so much about. Without it, mm-hmm. you're nowhere. Without it, days. you really are nowhere because it. when you come from empathy you're mirroring to the person you're you're confirming their experience that's another way of unlocking fear so that people can relax into somebody else is here with me and i don't have to do this all by myself 
It's not, a, but it's not a technique. It's, you know, it's a state of being. It can't be it is a state of being and it's a state of being that we can all practice and that we can all keep getting better at. And that if each of us, if there's just one moment where someone gets appreciated, like, oh, wow, that really, you got a lot dumped on your lap there all at once. There's a sense of, oh, and then people can breathe and connect with themselves again. Katie, I appreciate you taking the time out from your busy schedule to talk with us today. Well, thank you. That's a great example. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It's Hendrix.com, everyone, and the foundationforconsciousliving.org. I'll throw those in the show notes so people can just link right through. It's been a pleasure. We learned a lot today, Katie. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.